We're dealing with the bowls of wrath or the vials of wrath. <clears throat> Revelation 15, verse 1. We covered chapter 14 last week. We saw the victorious people of God, post-tribulational. Amen. Chapter 15 again. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels or messengers having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. These seal judgments, the seals are not called the wrath of God, worldwide wrath of God, nor are the trumpet judgments called the worldwide wrath of God or the great day of His wrath. But now we come to the vials, and they and they alone are specifically called His wrath. That is very important for you to understand that. This is His worldwide wrath, post-tribulational. The Bible says, And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over His image, over His mark, and over the number of His name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Amen. That is the reasons for the judgments of God, that all nations would worship him and come to him. Father God, we give you all the praise today, the glory and the honor. We do come before you. We do worship you. We do honor you today. We thank you for the anointing of your spirit. We thank you for your word today. Let it go forth in power in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Back up with me, please, to the book of Revelation in chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6, looking at the seal judgments. The seals are opened up, one judgment approximately per year of the seven-year tribulation period. When you get to verse 12, the Bible says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him which that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. 
For the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? The sixth trumpet announces the events that actually take place under the seventh trumpet. The seventh trumpet has within it seven bowls of wrath. That is the wrath of God. You with me here? The seventh trumpet, the seven trumpets are approximately the last year of the tribulation period. When the seventh seal is opened, chapter 8, verse 1, and when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Amen? Now, the scripture says in chapter 10, I'm trying to give you a sequence here of events. Chapter 10, it tells us in verse 7, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared it to his servants, the prophets. Say, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. The seventh angel is the seventh trumpet, and the seventh trumpet cover a period of days. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Okay? Chapter 11. The Bible says in verse 15, The seventh angel sounded, there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. When that seventh trumpet sounds, it announced the reign of Jesus. Of course, that's when he's coming back. Announces his reign and the setting up of his kingdom. Do you see that? All right. Now, chapter 15. Underneath the seventh trumpet, it's just like you had before. All right. The sixth seal announces things that are going to take place under the seventh seal. But the seventh seal doesn't have its own plague. In the seventh seal are located the seven trumpet plagues. So that the seventh seal has the seven trumpets in it. All right? So the, are you following me here? The judgment of the seventh trumpet is... Okay, the, the judgment of the seventh seal is the seven trumpets. The seventh seal doesn't have its own judgment, and then seven trumpets with their in particular judgments apart from that. The seventh seal has underneath it the seven trumpet plagues. So the sixth, sixth seal announces those things that are underneath the trumpet judgments and also the bowls of wrath. The seven trumpets underneath the seventh seal. And then the seventh trumpet when it sounds doesn't have its own particular judgment. When the seventh trumpet sounds, unlike the previous six before it, it doesn't have its own judgment. The seven bowls of wrath are the judgment of the seventh trumpet. 
So the sixth seal announces events that are in, watch this, they are in the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets are in the last year of the great tribulation period, the seven trumpets. When the seventh trumpet sounds, the seventh trumpet has the bowls of wrath in it, and it takes you beyond the tribulation period all the way up to the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon. So the bowls of wrath are after the tribulation period because the seventh trumpet brings the tribulation period to an end. And when the bowls of wrath begin to be poured out, they are poured out post-tribulational just before the day of the Lord. Do you understand these things? So in Revelation 6, when it announces these things, it takes you all the way up to the great day of His wrath. The great day of His wrath is the day of the Lord. Do you get the point here? Because underneath the seventh seal is the seven trumpets, and underneath the seventh trumpet is the seven bowls of wrath, and that is the wrath of God. That's why the sixth seal announces it. And it takes you all the way to the end, right up to the day of the Lord, post-tribulational. Do you understand? I don't, I don't think you totally do, but that's okay. All right? That, anyway, hallelujah. Chapter 15 then. The seventh trumpet has already sounded. And the Bible talks about it's beginning to sound, and it sounds over a period of days. That is why so many events can take place under that seventh trumpet. The coming of the Lord. The resurrection. The first resurrection. You with me here? The bowls of wrath. Followed by the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon. Okay? And the setting up of his kingdom. Because that trumpet is a great trumpet. The long sound of the trumpet. Over a period of days. When it sounds, then... At the beginning of its sounding, you have the resurrection, but not the rapture. It begins with, when it sounds, it begins with the catching up of the two witnesses. With me? They are the ones who begin the first resurrection, post-tribulational. All right? Are you with me at this point? This is, this is going to be fun. We're going to try it. <laughs> I, what I'm trying to show you here is that when that seventh trumpet sounds and the coming of the Lord, it covers a period of days. Let me just get that to you. And the seventh trumpet announces the end of the tribulation period and the beginning of the bowls of wrath followed by the day of the Lord. Okay, now watch. Watch. You got to get in your Bible. You got to have your Bible open. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, the seventh trumpet sounds in chapter 15 and verse 1. We have then from underneath that seventh trumpet that I read to you about in Revelation 10 and Revelation 11. Okay, you with me here? We have here then these, this sign in the heaven, great and marvelous. Seven messengers having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. So this phrase connects you with the trumpets. Because the trumpets are called plagues. When the seventh trumpet sounds then, the seven last plagues 
come out of the seventh. When the angel sounds that seventh trumpet, that's when these seven angels come forth with vials of wrath. And they are the last plagues. Okay? And they are post-tribulational. They don't overlap. These bowls of wrath do not overlap the trumpet judgments. Okay? Well, listen. The seal judgments fall. One seal, first year, second seal, second year, third seal, third year, fourth seal, fourth year, fifth seal, fifth year, sixth seal, sixth year, seventh trumpet sounds, seventh year. Brings you to the end of the seventh year. Okay? Are you with me at the point? Those seals bring you to the end of the year. Uh, trumpets bring you to the end of the tribulation period. Now at the end of the tribulation period, when the seventh angel sounds, you are at the end of the tribulation period, and then the, these messengers come forth underneath that trumpet. Okay? The Bible says they have the last plagues, but here's what's unique. They are called, for in them the bowls of wrath are filled up the wrath of God. This is the first time you have the wrath of God mentioned. You understand? His worldwide wrath. Now, the great tribulation, the last three and a half years of the tribulation period is the wrath of God upon Israel. But this is his searing wrath. This is the time of his indignation. And it is against the nations, not Israel. It's a worldwide wrath of God that we're talking about here. Do you understand? So, they are called the seven last plagues, for in them are filled up the wrath of God. Chapter 6, go back there. Verse 17. When we had that sixth seal opened up, we have the announcing of events that will fall under the seven trumpets and also events that fall under the seven bowls of wrath and also the event called the great day of his wrath or the day of the Lord, which is the battle of Armageddon. Okay? Now, we've already covered this before. I don't have time to reiterate all of this. But chapter 12, I'm going to read it again. And behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake. Say, a great earthquake. Sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became his blood. These events are listed under the trumpets. Okay? And the stars of heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree cast her untimely figs, when it is shaken of a mighty wind. And heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, the rich men, chief captains, mighty men, every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the land. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So this, right, that what I just read to you takes you all the way to Revelation 19. It includes the trumpet judgments and it includes the bowls of wrath and takes you right up to the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon, which is post-tribulational. It is called the great day of his wrath. Do you understand these things? Read Revelation 8 and 9 where it talks about the trumpets. See what it says there, how they parallel what is said here in Revelation 6 beginning with verse 12. 
We're going to study the bowls of wrath. You're going to see it also. Okay, I, I don't know why I'm spending so much time there. All right, go back over to Revelation 15. It's really not that difficult. It, it is difficult if you make it difficult. If you want it to be difficult, you're never going to understand it. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. You've got to have the Spirit of God in you anyway, and you've got to be willing to be taught. You can't just shut your mind out to some preconceived idea that you've got. That is the problem with coming to truth. You've, already, you've got so much trash in your mind that, that, that you can't hear what I'm saying to you because it doesn't calculate, doesn't e equate to what you've heard in the past. You've got to be willing to hear, be willing to learn. Okay, or you won't understand it. But it's not difficult. It's not difficult. Man, if I can understand it, everybody out there can. I'm serious. Okay, so you understand where we are here at chapter 15? We are beyond the tribulation period. The seventh angel has sounded. Now comes forth these bowls, these messengers with bowls of wrath or vows in their hand. With me here? Hallelujah. I wasted too much time already on that introduction. And it says that in them is filled up the wrath of God. So we're moving in a time where the wrath of God, worldwide wrath of God, followed by the great day of his wrath. The battle of Armageddon. Okay? The Bible says, And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire, them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over, his, over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the, and the song of the Lamb. What are they doing? They are celebrating the victory over the Antichrist, the false prophet, the image of the beast, and his mark. These are overcomers. And what we see here is they're rejoicing over the fact that the beast is defeated. That they have defeated the beast. And Daniel 7 says, when the judgment is set, the dominion of the beast is taken out of the way. And so in these passages, we see the judgment of God set and the dominion of the beast taken away. Got me here? Now, they are singing the song of Moses. There are two songs in the Old Testament primarily that talk about the Song of Moses. Number one, Exodus chapter 15, when Israel was brought out of Egypt by God by the blood of a Passover lamb. He brought him out by the blood. Pharaoh, who is a type of the Antichrist, are you with me? To come. God delivered Israel out of Let's just put it this way. The beast of Egypt. Leviathan or the Antichrist of old. Out of Egypt. Okay. By the blood of the lamb. He brought them out of Egypt. Okay. By judgment. Then. And by the blood. And then as he got to the Red Sea. They crossed over the Red Sea. And God drowned Pharaoh and his armies. Who had chased them out of Egypt. And when God drowned Pharaoh and his armies in the sea. The Red Sea. The Sea of Glass. Then they sang the song of Moses. And it was a song 
of salvation. They sang the song of Yeshua. The song of salvation. Because God had given the victory over the beast, Pharaoh, and his armies and drowned them in the sea. And so they're rejoicing in the Yeshua or the salvation of the Lord. And they're dancing. And Miriam goes out. She's got a tambourine in her hands. She goes out and she starts dancing. And she spins around. And the rest of the women join the prophetess of the Lord as they are dancing and singing the praises of Yeshua or the salvation of the Lord. And that is a type and a picture of things to come. Now, 1 Corinthians says that what happened in the days of Moses, whenever God brought them out of Egypt in the Passover land, they were baptized unto Moses in the sea and in the clouds. Moses was a type of the Redeemer, and they were baptized unto the Redeemer in the sea and in the cloud, water baptism and spirit baptism. But ultimately in the future, it's going to have an ultimate fulfillment when the people of God have the victory over the Antichrist, the beast, or Leviathan. Over the false prophet, over his image, and over his mark. How are you with me here? So the connection takes you back to Egypt. But let me just talk to you redemptively right now. Because this is most important. Whenever you got baptized in Jesus' name, in water, and you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you were baptized unto your Redeemer. He brought you out of Egypt. When He brought you out of Egypt by His blood, the blood of the cross that was applied to you at baptism. Then at that time, Satan was defeated in your life. The beast was defeated in my life by water. Are you with me? And by spirit. When I got water baptized in Jesus' name, the blood was applied to my life. It's called the Red Sea. When I was baptized in Jesus' name, the blood that is in his name mingled with that water and took away my sin. And it defeated the beast nature that's inside of me, the antichrist nature that's inside of me, the old Adam that is inside of me. And then God gave me a new spirit. They gave me the, he gave me the spirit of the new man. He gave me the spirit of Jesus. I've got the spirit of God in me. And so when I got the spirit of God in me, baptized in water, the blood was applied. That's when I got the victory over the beast, over his image over his mark come on are you here today so spiritually I have already entered into that but ultimately ultimately it will take place in the future in an ultimate sense we will literally stand on the sea of glass of which your new birth was a spiritual experience which will take you to an ultimate experience in the book of Revelation. Do you understand that? Yes, See, I want you to understand the book of Revelation. It's not just about a future antichrist, a future false prophet, a future mark of the beast, and a future image. I want you to understand right now that you've got to get the victory over the antichrist spirit that's in you now. You've got to get the, the victory over the beast that's in you now. You've got to get the uh, victory over the image, the imaginations, of the beast right now come on 
you got to get the victory over the mark of the beast which is in your head right now and the way you do that is by being baptized under your redeemer in water and in spirit and then you stand and victoriously sing the praises of your salvation or your Yeshua every time do you understand these things and this is the way the ultimate overcomers are going to have the victory they're going to have victory over the beast because of the work of the cross because the blood of the lamb now watch it says that these seven messengers come out of the most holy place it describes their dress they've got a golden girdle around their waist amen the Bible says yes Lord praise God we'll see that now when they come forth these messengers they're coming out of the most holy place they have a revelation they have a message and that message is linked to the throne room or the kingdom of God Do you understand and what is that message the work of the cross you with me here I saw another sign in heaven, verse 1, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. I saw, as it were, the sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, over his number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. That is ultimately in the future after the tribulation period. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. Now he's going to take the dominion of the beast away. Are you here? And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And the seven angels came out of the sanctuary, most holy place, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, having their breasts girded with golden girdles. Are you here? So these messengers come forth. They've got the bowls of wrath. You with me? We've already seen these, this overcoming company praising God for the victory over the beast, which we have now in the spirit, ultimately in the future. You with me? They came out literally out of Egypt. We came out spiritually out of Egypt. By the blood of the Lamb. Are you here? Now you're going to see it. Just bear with me here. These messengers that come forth in out of the most holy place, these angels that have these vials or these bowls of wrath, the word vial is linked to the cup that was on the table of showbread in the tabernacle. In the Septuagint, the word cup in the, on the table of showbread is the same word that's used in this Bible here when it's translated vow or bowl. So what God is trying to show you is to focus on the work of the cup and the bread that is on that table. The bread and the wine that is on that table. The blood or the finished work of the cross. Do you understand? These angels come out of the most holy place. They've got seven vows of wrath or 
cups in the Old Testament filled with wine or the blood. Are you here? I hope you're getting this. They come forth and they are girded with a golden girdle, which means these messengers have a revelation of the deity of Jesus. Because gold is the, the mineral of deity. So these messengers or these priests, come on, these priests have a revelation of the divine nature. They've got a revelation of God, and they're coming forth with bowls in this context of wrath. But because it's linked to the table of showbread, it would have had the bowls of blood in it. Are you here? Hence, this brings you to the day of atonement in the book of Revelation. Because on the day of atonement, the high priest walked into the sanctuary of God. He sprinkled the blood how many times? Oh, isn't that interesting? Seven times. He sprinkled the blood seven times before the veil. And then when he walked behind the veil or beyond the veil in the most holy place, he then sprinkled the ark or the throne seven times. So these messengers are coming out of the most holy place where the blood has been sprinkled and they're coming out with seven cups of blood. And they want you to understand the message of the most holy place is the blood or the finished work of the cross. And by it and through it, this is the way that you got victory over the beast. False prophet, image of the beast and his mark. You got the victory over him by the blood of the lamb. The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. So these people who've got the victory standing on the sea of glass fire mingled in that singing the song of Moses just like they did when God gave them victory over Egypt in days gone by now they're standing there and because of the blood of the lamb they've got the victory over the beast because Jesus before he went into the most holy place and sat upon the throne he bled seven times and after he bled seven times, then he ascended up to sit upon the throne of God Almighty. So in this passage, the symbolism of redemption is located. Come on, somebody. And whether it be in the past, the present, or the future, the only way to get the victory over the beast is by the blood of the lamb. And when the judgment is set... The judgment of the cross is declared and the message of the cross is declared. That is the way that you get the victory over the beast in your life now and the beast in your life in the future. It is by having a revelation of the cup. It's by revelation, having a revelation of the blood. It's by having a revelation that Jesus is God. So in a spiritual sense, right now you are to be the messengers that come out of the most holy place, that preach to the world the message of the finished work of the cross because seven is the number of completion. And we are to take the message of the blood and tell everybody everywhere that that is the way that you get the victory over your beast, over your image, and over your mark. 
And then you can start singing the song of Yeshua. The salvation of the Lord produced by the Lamb. The only problem at this point with this, these people are this is the situation. There must be plagues that will come to Egypt. Number one, God got you out of Egypt by the blood of a lamb as plagues were poured out on Egypt. You remember, right? Do you remember these things? Come on. We're in a Pentecostal church. Get with me here. We're in a spirit-filled church. We're not a Baptist church. Get with me here. But what you need to understand that God brought them out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb. But He still had to take them through a process. He had to take them through a Red Sea and then take them to Mount Sinai. Red Sea baptism, Mount Sinai, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because even though He brought you out of Egypt, He still got to get Egypt out of you. And the reason why God will let his church go through seals and trumpets and then bowls of wrath protected, yes, is because he's got to get Egypt out of us. See, we've come out of Egypt, but we've still got too much Egypt in us. We've got idolatry in us, so plagues have to come to remove Egypt out of us. And ultimately, when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, you see this overcoming people now, they have a pure river flowing out of them. It's not contaminated anymore. You know why? Because God took out of them everything that was not of him. And so now out of them flows a pure river. And right now, he took me out of Egypt, but right now, and, and some of you might agree with me on this, he's taking Egypt out of me. Now, I know some of you, you already got angels' wings popped out of your back, you know. I know you're already glorified, hallelujah, but I ain't got there yet. And ain't, I, ain't is a word now, according to the last time I looked in the dictionary. And I've still got Egypt in me, and God's still getting it out of me. And he's doing it by water, and then ultimately by fire. And what the water didn't get in baptism, his fire will get it. But you've got to go through a baptism of water and a baptism of fire because you've got to get some stuff out of you. I've got to get some stuff out of me. And the awesome good news of this is that what gets it out of me is a revelation of Jesus. It's a revelation of his finished work. Whether you be here right now in the spirit or you be in the tribulation in the future, that's what's going to give you the victory. That's what's going to keep you victorious. That's when it caused you to be an overcomer is because you know who Jesus is and you know about the finished work. But not just know about it, you've got a revelation of it. It's not just a historical occurrence to you. You've got a revelation of what it produced in you. So no wonder it says they're singing the song of Moses and of the Lamb, connecting you back to Egypt. Praise God. So in the spirit right now, you know, and, and I'm going to try to preach the ultimate in this too, but I want you to see the hope that is in this book because it's full of redemption. It takes you back to the past. Song of Moses. 
takes you into the pre- come on, the present, the Lamb, and the future. It's all there, man. Hallelujah. I need something to get rid of my beast. I need something to, to deal with my old Adamic nature. I need something to deal with my imaginations. And I got news for you. The nations that rise up against the Christ of God are not just communist nations. But there are denominations that fight the Lamb. And there are imaginations that fight the Lamb. So I've got imaginations, man, that fight the Lamb, that resist Him. But you know what? The revelation of the sevenfold redemptive work of Jesus, a revelation of His divine nature, gives me the victory over. Oh, come on, all you. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, we need this right now because we are in a great battle. But what God is doing is he's getting rid of the beast out of me. He's getting rid of Egypt out of me. He's dealing with it by water and by fire. He's setting, the judgment is being set. And ultimately the Bible says that the kingdom will be placed into the hands of God's people. You with me? So we're in process. Process to an ultimate. Now, you don't want to be here if you don't want the truth. But if you want the truth, you want to be here. If you want religion, you don't want to be here. Because God's going to have an overcoming people who got the victory over the beast when the beast rose up against them. Who got the victory over the false prophet. When the, and so, by, the, by now, some of you probably realize that I'm not pre-trib. So you're going to need this. If we see the tribulation period, you're going to need every bit of everything I'm preaching to you. Yeah. They're full of the wrath of God. Interesting. In the Old Testament, it's full of blood. But now it's full of the wrath of God. You know why? Because it's showing you the wrath of God that came upon the Lamb of God upon the cross for you. That's when your judgment came when Jesus was crucified the Bible said that's when the world was judged that was when the prince was cast out was when he died on the cross that was the time of judgment that's the time the wrath of God fell upon him and he took my judgment so that I could be victorious and in the future it's by his work he's going to defeat anything that opposes him Spiritually or physically, doesn't make any difference. You got the message. You have the message. Are you like one of these messengers that are coming out of the throne? You've got the message of the blood and the bread, and you're telling people how to get the victory over their beast right now and in the future. This book is full of hope. Post tribulation is full of hope. Post tribulation rapture is full of hope. Hallelujah. The Bible says it's one of the four beasts gave the angels the seven golden vials full of the wrath of God who live forever and ever. So again, the focus is the blood. The finished work of that most holy place is the blood of Jesus. You got it? 
And then the Bible says, now, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, sanctuary. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Are you with me here? In an ultimate sense, there's going to, you will notice here we are post-tribulational now, beyond the tribulation, but nobody's able to enter into the throne room of heaven, the most holy place in heaven, until these wraths, these bowls have been poured out. Nobody. Which means, 1 Thessalonians talks about, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about us being protected from his wrath. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 talks about God's going to protect the church from his wrath. What are we talking about? Well, the bowls of wrath are going to be poured out, but when that trumpet begins to sound, that's when you got a glorified body. you got a glorified body, so you'll be protected through that time of his wrath, but not entering into heaven yet. And then ultimately you'll be protected from the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon, because when he comes back to fight that, that's when he's going to catch the church up. So that's how he's going to protect you from wrath with a glorified body through the bowls of wrath and then catching up to save you from the day of wrath, the battle of Armageddon. Because at this point when these bowls of wrath are poured out and they are post-tribulational, nobody is able to enter into the throne room of God in heaven until those bowls of wrath are poured out. So what I'm trying to tell you, honey, is that if you are in the times that are going to see the tribulation period and you live through it and you get glorified, you will see the bowls of wrath poured out upon this earth. You will not be burned, though, because you will be like Rahab, who is protected. And come on. When the nations fall and Jericho's burn, then God takes Rahab out of the city. But Rahab was protected. When the nations fell and the city was burned, God's people didn't get burned, but the Bible said they went up into the city. Are you getting the point here? So God is going to preserve you during the time of his worldwide wrath. These bowls of wrath. Because you're going to be glorified. If you're glorified, there ain't no fire that can burn you. Hallelujah. So he's going to protect you. Oh, give God some praise. Because when the trumpet begins to sound, that's when you put on a glorified body. 1 Corinthians 15. And that's how you're going to be protected when all this wrath is being poured out. But Jesus hasn't come yet. The bowls of wrath are being poured out, but Jesus hasn't come yet. Are y'all awake? And so... We're going to have the victory. Hallelujah. We have the victory now, and we will have the victory in the future because we've got a revelation of the blood. We've got a revelation of the divine nature of God. The same thing that gives me the victory over myself right now is going to give me victory over a physical antichrist, false prophet, image, and mark in the future. Are y'all awake? And so the Bible says, again in verse 8, nobody can enter into the sanctuary until the plagues, uh, seven plagues of the seven angels are fulfilled or completed. All right? Come on. Chapter 16, verse 1. I heard a great voice out of the temple of the sanctuary saying to the seven angels or messengers, go your way and pour out 
the vows of wrath of God upon the earth. Not just Israel, but the earth as a whole. These bowls of wrath. Okay? Now watch. This is going to bring you to the day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon. But he says that this announcement comes forth to these seven messengers, and they're to go and pour out these vows of wrath of God upon the earth. If you don't come under the blood of Jesus and understand that his judgment was your judgment, then you will be judged by these bowls here that will be poured out in the future. See what I'm saying? If you don't let him take your wrath for you, then you will take his wrath upon you. Got it? The Bible said, it's not going to take me long to get through these. And the first went out and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. So when this first vial is poured out, the Bible says that these boils break out all over man. In an ultimate sense, that, that could be as a result of some type of nuclear a bombing of some type of nuclear war that's taking place and this radiation is causing these bowls to break out on man. It could be also that the mark of the beast or the chip that will be implanted under the skin, if it is a chip, is what causes this loathsome boils to break out on them. They have studied, and I've read this before, that people, they, they've studied putting chips under the marks or under the hands of people or into the bodies of people. And when they put the mark in the body, it caused their body to break out in boils already. Come on. It's already happened in their experimenting. Boils break out on people when they put certain chips under the body. So are you with me here? I don't know exactly what's going to cause these boils, but it could be as a result of a chip that's implanted, the mark of the beast. It could also be radiation that comes forth uh, at the close of the tribulation period with all these wars that are taking place. But here's what I want you to see. In connection with the people of God coming out of Egypt who experienced, come on, deliverance because God sent plagues to Egypt. To Egypt. The sixth plague, the Bible says, are you here? That they were to take ashes out of the furnace. Moses, Aaron, come on, take ashes out of the furnace, cast it up to the heavens. And when they did that, they cast the ashes into the heavens. The Bible says, boils broke out on men. But here's the key. When the boils begin to break out on men, having taken the ash out of the furnace where they built or, or made bricks to build a house with, you get the key? They made bricks to build houses within a furnace. There's a building of a house, and then the ashes cast into the heavens, causing people to break out with boils. When that happened, the false priest of Egypt could not stand. In fact, let me just put it this way. They couldn't hang. They had to get out of there. So what God is trying to show you is that when these people break out with boils all over them, what God is doing, He's removing everything that is false and everything that is powerless. 
every false religion and every powerless religion. God is going to take it out of the way so that the false priests will not be able to stand. They won't be able to hang. You understanding? Hello, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. And what is happening here is this particular event, the bull's breaking out. They're breaking out on the beasts and his followers. Those who are in darkness. But those who are in light are going to be seen standing with the Lamb. Overcomers standing with the Lamb in the light. And not only will they be standing in His light, but they will shine forth. The darkness will not overcome the overcomers. They will shine brightly. And isn't it interesting that the first day of creation with this first seal, that's when the Bible says that light, come on, there was light that appeared in the darkness. So you've got those who are in light, shining brightly for Christ, overcomers. We've already seen them. And now we see those who are in darkness, the beast in darkness, and his followers covered with boils. Because God's going to take out everything that hinders his appearing. He's going to take everything out of us that hinders his appearing right now and in the future. All false priests, all false religions, all false preachers, all false prophets, all powerless churches, all powerless men, all powerless preachers are going to be taken out of the way. But you see the, you see the contrast with these messengers coming out of the most holy place. They've got a revelation of the blood and they've got a revelation of the deity of Jesus. Hallelujah. And they're the ones that are pouring out administering these vows. So we have a contrast of true powerful men, messengers with truth versus the counterfeit false prophets and priests of Egypt who can't hang. They can't hang. I said they can't hang. Now, for some of us, you know, because we're not in that day right now in, in the ultimate sense, okay, ho-hum. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to tell you something. You're going to need this right now. So again, this first seal parallels the first day of creation and also the plagues that were in Egypt. Chapter uh, 16, verse 3. And the second, now this is again the worldwide wrath of God. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. And it came, became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. In some sense, that's a good thing. Give God some praise. The second day, the Bible talks about a firmament. Well, we'll get there in just a minute. But anyway, when the second angel pours out his vial upon the sea, it becomes the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Now, it's a good thing for the Adam nature to die. And it's a good thing to understand the cup of redemption 
produced by the cross that kills the old man. See, there's some things in you that you... <laughs> Let me just put it this way. There are some battles, and I'm moving fast because I've got to because I'm limited on time. There are some battles you don't want to win. There are some battles you want to lose. Come on. You want to lose the battle. Come on. When it comes to your flesh wanting what it wants. You want to lose that battle. You want to lose the battle that says you want to live for self. You want to lose that battle. But that's where the struggle is. Itself, but just says, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. So I want to lose some battles. I want to lose the battle that wants self to live and wants self. Come on. But Jesus died on the cross to give me the victory over the old Adam. That's the point. Say praise the Lord. So the Bible says, and now in a literal sense, in an ultimate sense, when this vow is poured out, just like the plagues of Egypt, the rivers turn to blood, right? Come on. We talk about all these souls in the sea are dying. Let's go over to uh, Genesis. Look at the second day. The second day. Hallelujah. Am I going too fast for you? I apologize if I am. I've just got a lot to talk about, okay? Genesis 2. Hallelujah. Mm. Genesis, no, Genesis 1. Hey, Genesis 1, here we go. All right, the first day, God called the light day, the darkness he called night. The evening and the morning were the first day. That compares with the first seal. God said, let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters. Let, the, let it divide the waters from the waters. You get me here? Now, the Bible talks about in the second seal, there's judgment on water. All right? And there is a division here that's taking place from the waters. All right? Let me read again. Let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the ferment divide the waters which were under the ferment from the waters which were above the ferment, and it was so. God called the ferment in the heaven and the evening and the morning were the first and second. When you talk about the dividing of the waters here, you're talking about different seeds. There is a division between the seed of God and the seed of the serpent that's taking place here. And so this vile judgment here, there is a separation that's taking place between, but from between God's true seed, Amen. the heavenly seed, and then the earth dwellers, the earth seed. There's a division taking place here. Those that have the nature of the new man, Jesus Christ, versus those who let themselves be controlled by the old nature of Adam. And you all know that when Jesus hung on the cross, he was suspended between heaven and earth. Well, this is a picture of what he performed. He's the one that brings the victory on the cross. He's the one that produces the true seed. Oh, hello. Revelation. So that's the second day. That's the second seal. Are y'all with me here? Verse 4. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers. Yes. This is good. 
and the fountains of waters, they became blood. Are you here? And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. So we see first the seas, then we see the rivers and the waters become blood. It is on the third day, you will remember, that the vegetation is made to appear on the earth. So what God is trying to show you here is this. What He's going to do with people who shed the blood of His people. What He's going to do to the beast who shed the blood of His own people. When they shed the blood of His people, there was a seed that was planted inside of them so that ultimately they will drink the blood. You're not getting it, are you? They shed God's servant's blood. So now God turns their water into blood because in them is a seed that they have sown in their own life that they are now reaping. You will reap what you sow. And because they sow death to God's people, now God's going to put that, that seed in them and it's going to produce a, a reaping and they're going to drink what they've sowed and it's blood. I don't want to carry any seeds in me because I will drink what that seed produces. Are you here right now? God says, okay, you're going to shed the blood of my servants, the blood of the prophets, the blood of my people. You're going to persecute them. I'll make you drink blood. And you're going to reap from the seed that you have sown in your life. Everybody in this church right now, in this service, you're sowing a seed for the future. That's why it's so important that we walk in fear, that we walk, in, we walk circumspectly, that everything that we think about, everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we respond to, that we react to, that we better make sure we got it right because we've got a seed in us that's going to produce something in the future. See, we can't just live our lives nonchalantly and don't care about the things of God or the Word of God and, and live a life that doesn't prepare for days to come because you will reap because you will not be prepared. And so right now, you're going through a time where you're letting God take everything out of you that's not supposed to be in there. You're giving yourself to God's to the water, you're giving yourself to God's fire. You're giving yourself to whatever God needs to do in your life to make sure that you ultimately stand on the sea of glass singing the song of Moses and the Lamb. You can't go out there and sow seeds without a crop coming up. And these beast people sowed seeds. Now a crop's coming up. They're going to drink the blood because they shed the blood of God's people. Hello? Now, on the other hand, let me give you some good news. I know I look, I'm just, I look like this blair-eyed man, you know, up here. <laughs> let me give you some good news. If you're walking with God and you're separated... And you're crucifying the flesh. You're mortifying the deeds of the body. You're praying. You're fasting. You're doing what God's will is in your life right now. If you're doing the will of God now, then I got good news for you. 
then you'll probably do the will of God then. If you're not doing the will of God now, then you won't do the will of God then. Because you always reap what you sow. And if you sow, sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life eternal. But if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. So we're sowing seeds, all of us. Hallelujah. If you're on fire right now, you'll be on fire then. If you're lukewarm now, you'll be lukewarm then. If you're cold now, you'll be cold then. Because you are sowing into your future the seeds of your life. Some of you don't have anything to worry about, man. See, I'm concerned about myself. Not just you, me. Hallelujah, somebody. Okay, third angel. We talked about it. Hallelujah, amen. Y'all go over there read Genesis 1 sometime, and you'll see the parallel in the third day. When this, this uh, reaping comes forth from the seeds that's been planted in the earth. Chapter 5, I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. Hallelujah. When did he judge? He judged Pharaoh in Egypt. Ultimately, he judged everything on the cross. And in the future, he will judge these things that are, that are spiritual now that will become physical in the future. He's going to judge it all. Hallelujah. Y'all with me still? It says worldwide wrath. And by the way, these are taking place under the seventh trumpet that's, remember, covers a period of days. So these bowls of wrath, they're very quick. They're, they're one right after the other, post-tribulational, but they still cover a period of days. Okay? Now the Bible says, okay, let me read some more. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. See, I didn't read it to you, but I preached it to you. Because they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. And thou hast given them blood to drink. For they are worthy. Got it? Say praise the Lord somebody. Of course they did that in Egypt, right? God turned the water to blood. What's he doing? He's judging the false gods of Egypt. He's taking them out of the way. The dominion of the beast is being taken out of the way. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. How many of y'all would amen that? How many of you say, That's right, God, you're right. You're right in judging. Only people who are right with God. Say that God is right in his judgment. Bible says, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. So, man, it's bad enough, man. You got bowls all over, all over your body. The seas turn to blood. The waters you drink turn to blood. You don't have anything to drink. Now God hits, come on, the sun, uses the sun to Burn men with fire, man. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the sun's going to uh, burn like an oven, heated up. Are you with me? 
the heat of an oven. It says in the Old Testament prophets, it will be seven times hotter than it is right now. It's the summertime, and some of you know what heat's like. It's going to be seven times hotter than that. In the shade, you're going to melt. And no water to drink on top of that. But see, Jesus experienced all of this on the cross for you, man. He hugged there. He was thirsty. He shed his blood for you. He experienced the fiery indignation of God's wrath. He said, I thirst. All of this he experienced on the cross. That's the message of the finished word. That's the good news. The rabbis say concerning the sun, Jewish scholarship says that the sun rises up every day and God cools the sun down by the waters or the atmosphere. But they say in the future, God is going to take the sun out of its sheath and he's going to burn men with fire. And that's exactly what we see right here. God is literally taking the sun out of its sheath, out of the waters that cool it day by day so it doesn't burn. And it's going to burn with extreme heat. Give God some praise. <clears throat> Are y'all awake out there? Yes, God's good. And men were scorched with great heat, blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Of course, the fourth day, the Bible talks the sun about the sun, the moon, the stars are given for signs and seasons to show you things to come. You know what God is trying to get you to understand here? It's not just about him touching a literal physical sun and use a literal physical sun to smite men. That will happen. But what he wants you to understand is that when you talk about apocalyptic speech, you talk about things that are symbols. And so what he's saying is, what does the sun rule? It rules by day. What, is it, what does the moon do? It rules by night. So what God is doing here, he's judging earthly rulers and leaders. Because the son of righteousness is about to come with healing in his rays. And so what he's doing, that old creation, he's doing a decreation now because there has to be a new creation brought in. So what he's doing now, he's doing a decreation act. Come on. The old creation, the heaven, the moon, the stars, the, the sun. Now he's going to do a decreation of the, of the natural so he can bring in the new heavens and the new earth. He's going to take... He's going to remove earthly rulers and earthly leaders in these judgments. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says in verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. You remember these, of course, this plague over in Egypt. Darkness was hit that place. It was so dark, they couldn't even see their hand in front of their face. That's how dark it was. The Bible says in the time of the Exodus that the darkness was so great you could feel it. I have never been in darkness that I could feel. But in those days, it's going to be so dark you can feel the darkness. But watch this. God's people on Mount Zion are going to shine forth. They're going to radiate but the beast and his followers are going to be in total darkness. Are you, watch, are you with me here? 
Give God a hand clap of praise. They gnawed their tongues with pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven with his fist seal because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. You would think that people who's gone through all of this, boils, no water to drink, heat of the sun, now darkness that you can feel, in pain that you're gnawing your tongue, literally chewing on your tongue for pain. You would think that those people would cry out to God and repent and get right with Him. But the Bible says even in the midst of that, these people refuse to get right. It shows you how diabolical your old nature is. It shows how demonic my fallen nature is. It is unlike anything that you can begin to imagine. It is so rebellious and so dark and so vile that even when God is pouring out His judgment and warning and preaching and sending angels into the heavens about the gospel, these people still won't get right. The Bible says that when that fifth angel sounds or pours out His vial, then this darkness hits the kingdom of the beast. Now watch this. You have darkness all over the earth. And then the next vial is open and you have the assembling or the gathering of the people into the battle of Armageddon. You with me here? The Bible says, okay, verse chapter, and it will still be dark. In verse 12, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water there was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So now we have the sixth seal is opened up and in the time of darkness, the river Euphrates is dried up so that the kings of the, the way of the kings of the east would be prepared that they could go over into the valley of Megiddo, Armageddon, Har-Megeddon, the mountain of Megiddo. All right? There's a valley of Megiddo, the northern part of Jerusalem, and then also Joel talks about this battle of Armageddon is going to take place not just in uh, uh, in the Megiddo area, but also in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Okay? So now watch this. Are y'all still awake? <laughs> so what we have then is this river Euphrates is being dried up. Now the Euphrates feeds Babylon. And this will literally happen. So that these literal kings can make their way, the kings of the east can make their way into the land of Israel, for this day of the Lord battle. The sixth vow, under the sixth vow, they're gathering into Megiddo. But, you know, I can't, I can't pass this up without preaching to you a little bit because you need to understand that Euphrates feeds Babylon and Babylon means confusion. And there, are, there are, is a river today inside of us that feeds our confusion. There is a river in the world that feeds our confusion. It must be dried up. And the reason it's going to be dried up is so that people who have been feeding on that confusion will get tired of that and say, I want something else. I'm tired of being fed. I'm tired of living in Babylon. I'm tired of living in confusion. And so God's going to cut that river off, that thing that feeds that confusion in us. 
And why? So he can gather these kings in the Mount of Megiddo. Megiddo means the place of assembling. It also means the place of crowds. It is the assembling of the troops. It is the place where kings meet to battle. It is the place where kings meet to fight. It is the old man fighting the new man. It is the 18 kings of the flesh, 666, Galatians 5, that are at war with your new man. But the new man, Jesus Christ, is going to have victory over the 18 kings of the flesh in the place of assembling. Do you understand this right now? Give God some praise. And I believe that this is, this is very interesting because I know of a valley of Megiddo, but I don't know of a mountain of a Megiddo. And this is called Har Megiddo, the mountain of Megiddo, which means this. God's trying to get you to understand something. It's not just a literal geographical place. He's trying to show you a spiritual realm, a high place. Where you, at, you are at war and I am at war with the kings of the flesh. 18, 18 of them, 666 in Galatians chapter 5. There is an assembling of kings. And we are at war with the kings of the flesh. Are y'all awake? And Babylon spiritually speaks of confusion. And the Euphrates speaks of the river that feeds that confusion. Can, did you know that's all going on in us, man? But here's the good news. We can have the victory over all of that. By the blood of the Lamb. Symbolizing these cups. Anybody that's lived for God any time at all know the war that goes on. The fight that you fight against the, the 18 kings of the flesh. Galatians 5. You know, it lists all kinds of things the flesh wants to do that's not of God. I'm not preaching down to you. I fight them too, man. I deal with those temptations. I deal with those kings. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes the king or one or two of those kings might whoop me at times. Sometimes they get the victory over me. One of those 18 kings of the flesh. I'm just going to get real with you. I'm going to tell you. I'm not better than you are. I'm in the same fight you are. And sometimes those kings of the flesh whoop me. But I'm not giving in. I'm not quitting. I'm not surrendering. I'm not waving the flag. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to walk in the new man and not yield myself to the old kings. So be encouraged. When one of those 18 kings of the flesh, listen to Galatians 5, Defeats you some days. Uh, you got the best of me today, but you're not getting the best of me tomorrow. It's the battle of Armageddon. It's the day of the Lord for me right now. And I preach, and go back and get the message on the day of the Lord, and you'll understand the day of the Lord is vast. It's not just a future day, but it's the seventh day. Whether it be in, in, the, in the old Genesis, in the old Bible, in the book of Genesis, or whether it be in the minor prophets, they talked about the day of the Lord in their times. And on the ultimate day of the Lord. Whatever. It's the seventh day. It's the day that the Lord sanctifies. And I'm telling you right now that you are at war right now. And you, every time God appears. When God appears in you to judge something. When God appears in His church to judge something. That's the day of the Lord visitation. When He moved in His garden. And Adam and Eve sinned. He moved in His garden. The chariot of the Lord came into that place. Come on. 
And those, those seraphim, you can hear those wings, man. Like a jet plane coming into that Garden of Eden. That was a day of the Lord manifestation of God. When God reckoned, he judged his people. Said, where are you? And every time God comes in that way, whether it be now or in the future, is a day of the Lord type of move. When God comes in and says, where are you? I'm coming to judge situations. That's a day of the Lord manifestation. Whether it be the days of Adam and Eve or whether it be the days of the minor prophets, whether it be in our day or in the future, it's a spiritual thing. But in an ultimate sense, it will literally happen. Give God praise. And so, when this sixth angel pours out his vial upon the, what feeds the Babylonian empire, Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. Hallelujah. What feeds it's dried up. That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Why? So they can be whipped. They can be defeated. And he said, he said, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophets. Now watch this. When you dry up a riverbed, you will find frogs in that riverbed. You will find spirits in that riverbed. Come on, somebody. That's why you cannot allow yourself to be fed by Babylonian confusion. You cannot allow yourself to be dominated and controlled by the 18 kings of the flesh. Because if you do, then that flow has stopped inside of you. But as long as you keep a flow, there will be no frogs that appear in you. Because you've got a flow that comes from the throne of God Almighty. It's a river that's pure. It's crystal clear. And it flows out of the throne of God Almighty. So as long as you keep the flow, you won't have to worry about frogs. But if you lose the flow, then you're going to have to worry about frogs. Because as soon as you get dry, that's when the devil's going to come against you. And every one of us know when we're getting dry. Every one of us know when there's not a flow there from the throne of God. We know that. We know that. And that's when every one of us have problems with demons. Because demons come out of frogs' mouths. And frogs, look at this. It's darkness. Darkness has filled the land. The riverbed is dried up, Euphrates. And then the frogs appear out of the mouths. Got it? And it is in the dark time. The dark seasons of your life. That frogs sing the song of darkness to you. Come on, did you hear what I said? When you go through a dark time in your life, then there's going to be a frog that's going to, what? Going to sing your song. Going to sing your discouragement. Going to sing your problem. And he's going to sing it to the world. And another frog is going to say the same thing that he heard that frog say. And so what we have is one frog saying the same thing as another frog. But I got news for you. I'm not talking about literal frogs. I'm talking about out of the mouth of men. Men will sing about your night seasons. And another frog will hear the same song. And they'll sing your night season song. 
before you realize that frogs all over the world are singing about your night season. Because they are frogs. They are devils. Are you with me here? Give God some praise. Not only do frogs sing in the night season, but they are puffed up. They are full of pride. They bellow up big in the throat area. They're full of pride. And they live in marshy places. They live in shallow water places. They don't live where there's a powerful flow. Are you getting the message here? They've got a low heartbeat. They don't have a passion for God. When a demon gets a hold of you because there's no flow inside of you. Because the king of the flesh has dominated you. When that happens, you lose your passion. Because frogs have low heartbeats. They have slow heartbeats. They don't have a passion. So when you start, lo when you start losing your passion, let me tell you what's going on here. You've got the low heartbeat of a frog. beating in your chest and that's what you're at war with we don't need dead Pentecostal people sitting on church pews we need people full of the flow of God's spirit out of his throne we need people who's got a message of the blood of the cross we need a people that's got a message of the divine nature coming out of the holy place and from that place that river flows out of them You ever start feeling yourself, and I, man, there's times I do, I feel my heartbeat slowing down. It slows down, it gets lower, lower, and lower. And pretty soon, if I'm not careful, I go into hibernation. When you start feeling your heart slow down, you start feeling yourself losing your passion. God, you need to break out of that. You need to get a revelation of the cross. You need to get a revelation of what Jesus did for you. And from that, let him take Egypt out of you. From that, let him take anything that he is appearing in you. And let him cause a flow. A torrential downpour. And flow, a flood of his glory to come inside of you. And I guarantee you when that happens... Every frog that's around, every low-beaten, night-singing frog, pride-filled flesh, every bit of it will be swept away by God's mighty torrent. Are you here? So if your heart beating's heart beating low today, come on, come on, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. That's why I can preach like I'm preaching, man, because I live it. I know what I'm talking about. I know when my heart starts beating slow. I know when my passion's ebbing away. I know when I'm walking in confusion. I know when the kings of the flesh are dominating me. That's when you have to go to war at Armageddon. That's when there has to be a judgment set and his dominion removed. Come on. Got to shake yourself as, a, as at other times. You've got to have the seven locks of Samson. 
which is a picture of the seven churches of Asia Minor. You've got to have the strength of Samson. You've got to shake yourself. You've got to be one of the seven churches and an overcomer in that church. One of the seven lungs of Samson. I'm going to shake myself right now. I can't let you cut my power. I can't let you take my holiness. I can't let you take my sanctification. I can't let you take my consecration. Because if you do, I lose my power. And I lose my witness. So one by one, Delilah, harlot, is clipping the hair off the church of the living God. And one by, one by one, one church after another in the book of Revelation is warned by God to overcome. Give God some praise. That's why when that mighty prophet laid upon that dead body, the Bible said the boy sneezed seven times. It's a picture of the church, the sevenfold complete body of Christ. Come on, somebody. Out of the place of deadness and dryness. From the place of a low heart to a no heart. God wants to resurrect you by his power. But you've got to go to the battle of Armageddon. And this is going to happen ultimately in the future. And you need to understand this. That if there is going to be a flow of God's spirit. It can't be just... A, a general outpouring all over the earth. A shallow thing. Come on. It can't be a shallow walk that you're in. It can't be a shallow water that I'm in. It's got to have banks. You can have a downpour. You can have a deluge of rain. But if it doesn't have banks, there's no flow. It's just laid out everywhere. There has to be a direction to the water. There has to be a direction to the flow. It has to have banks. That's why you have to have a pastor. Because a pastor sets is the banks on the river. He gives direction to the flow. If you don't have direction, if you don't have a banks, yes, banks bind the flood. But binding the flood is not wrong. Binding the flood is necessary. Your pastor binds the flood so there will be no frogs in there. Not to hinder what God is doing in your life. But the direction has to be there. The banks have to be there. Come on, somebody. You have to have a church. You have to have a church. It's a necessity for you to have a church. You know what the Bible says? Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost. The Bible says... That it is a woman that produces a son. And if you're going to be sonship, if you're going to be a son in God's kingdom, then you have to be a part of a woman because it's the woman who gives birth to the son. If you're going to be what God wants you to be, if you want to be that throne room people we're talking about, that kingdom type of people you we're talking about, you have got to have a woman. You've got to have a woman in your life. You've got to have a church in your life because it's that church that's going to birth you into sonship, that's going to push you out into man-child operation. You cannot make it. You will not be birthed. You will not come forth out of that water of the sack. 
without a woman doing it. So you've got to have a pastor to bind your flood. And if you're walking around and, and you don't want that in your life, you might have a little bit of water, but it's so scattered out all over the place, the frogs are coming up in you. But if you will yield yourself to that direction and let it be bound in you, it will be powerful. It will be pressurized power. Do you understand? I don't want a little heart beating me. I don't want night creatures in my life. I don't want pride, puffed up pride creatures in my life. I don't want demons in my life working miracles in my life. Now see, what you need to understand is this, is that when God gets through dealing with those seven churches, okay, the Bible says that all the churches will know the faithful or the unfaithful. There's coming a time when this hypocrisy that comes and set in the pews of churches is going to be uncovered. And all the churches will know it. Not the world. The churches are going to know. That person, you look, got the mark. Bow to the image of the beast. Line themselves with the Antichrist. Controlled by the Adam nature. Not from the flow that comes from the throne of the true king. But the good news is this. Is that where I am? Hallelujah. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. Let me tell you right now. Good news is you can have a flow coming out of you. Though you got a flow, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> as long as I got a flow coming out of me, I have nothing to worry about. Is this helping anybody? <clears throat> For there are spirits of demons working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth, and that will ultimately happen. Hallelujah. To gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. But here's the point. What I've been preaching you is a spiritual undercurrent to these physical things. Because you need to understand the spiritual significance. Because when he talks about physical antichrist, physical false prophet, and physical image, all these things, a physical dragon, he then shows you the spiritual undercurrent behind all of it. That it's the spiritual that's bringing the kings, the physical kings together. It is the spiritual demonic powers that are involved in gathering the physical together. So I don't want you to just get focused on physical things. I want you to see the underlying current of the spirit of the demonic that's bringing this about. And this is what God is going to judge. And this is what is going to take his dominion away. Give God some praise. Are you willing to let him do it in your life? I wanted to have his way with me. Man, I got stuff crop, uh, popping up in me. Man, I thought I already, I got victory. I thought I had a victory over that. I got stuff popping up in me. I said, God, I told my wife yesterday, I said, I'm losing the battle in certain areas. But you know what? I'm not giving in. It's like fighting the spirit. Give God some praise. And so the fifth seal, the darkness hits the land, the sixth seal. Then these nations are gathered together in the battle of, for the battle of Armageddon. Are y'all with me here at this point? In the ultimate future, again, this is post-tribulational. 
This is the great day of God Almighty. This is a 24-hour day. It is the day of the Lord. It's when he comes as a thief in the night. And so after the bowls, come on, watch this. Let me read it. And the seventh angel poured out his vial in the air, and there came great voice of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. Did you see that? Verse 15, I missed the most important verse. When he, the darkness hits the land in the fifth vial, in the sixth vial, the kings are gathered to Armageddon. And the Bible says at that time, in between the sixth and the seventh vial, God, Jesus, announces his coming as a thief. He hasn't already come as a thief. He is about to come as a thief. And it's between the sixth and the seventh vial. And the sixth and seventh vial. All these vials are post-trib. Leading right up to the battle of Armageddon. And he still hasn't come as a thief in the night. Because this is his day of the Lord coming. This is his parousia. This is when he gathers. This is when he raptures his elect that have been glorified. And this is when he comes back. 2 Thessalonians 2.8. At his parousia. He destroys the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming. In the midst of that darkness. So his catching his coming for the elect his parousia is at the same time that he destroys the antichrist by the brightness of his coming it's at his parousia so after the bowls of wrath are poured out then he comes he announces his coming between the sixth and the seventh bowl and then he comes he comes after the seven bowls are poured out he parousias after that and that's when that glorified church is caught up are you here? That's when he comes. And so we meet him in the air. We come back with him to the earth. And that's when he destroys the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming. So the trumpet's been sounding for days. The bowls of wrath in that trumpet are being poured out over a period of days. And now he comes back to fight the literal 24-hour day of the Lord, the battle of Armageddon. And then, remember, he's announcing his coming between the sixth and seventh seal, which means he hasn't come yet. Are you here? <laughs> This is good stuff, man. So here we are. The bowls of wrath being poured out, glorified. 1 Corinthians 15. Seeing these bowls of wrath poured out but not harmed by them, protected from that wrath because we've got a glorified body. Jesus still hasn't come back, Perusia, to gather his elect, capture them out. But he comes, and when he comes, come on, after the bowls are poured out, then he catches his elect up, We've come back with him to the earth. Revelation 19, we're seen riding in horses with him. That symbolism coming back with him to fight the battle of Armageddon. You got this right now? Give God some praise. <clears throat> and so you go to Revelation 14, again, the same thing. When that first harvest takes place, that's when he gathers his elect, and it's right before the battle of Armageddon. Because the next harvest is when he takes the wine or the grapes and throws them into the wine press, the wrath of God Almighty. So he gathers the elect, and then the battle of Armageddon takes place, even in Revelation 14. Same thing in Revelation 19, and same thing here in Revelation 16 with the, in connection with the bowls of wrath. So that's the timing when we go up. Are you with me? Go and read it for yourself. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look, the events... Where he comes and takes his church, Perusia, 
is the same time when he comes to fight the battle of Armageddon and destroy the Antichrist. Same timing. In this passage, he gives light to it because he announces his coming has not yet happened. And it's after the trumpets are poured, after the bowls are poured out. And these bowls are post-tribulational. Give God some praise. <clears throat> Boy, it got quiet. Hallelujah. That's all I'm on. I, I got so much right now I want to share with you, but I can't. I, I'll wait, okay? Just, just, things will be all right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Kings of the East, well, China, India, no doubt, Japan. As far as the literal kings of the East, that's who they are, all right? Um, I'll leave it at that, okay? It, it, in a spiritual sense, it could be the, the church, because we are the East. Anyway, you can, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. You'll get your chance. <laughs> God's good, isn't he? But when that seventh angel pours out his vial, the Bible says, it is finished. Or it is done. And the connection takes you back to when Jesus hanging on the cross. He said, it is finished. God's awesome in me. God's good. There are voices, thunders, lightnings. And there was a great earthquake. Oh, remember Revelation 6 over there? Verse 12b, 12a, 12b, the latter part. It talks about there was a great earthquake. Talks about the heavens apart and as a scroll. Talk about the kings of the earth crying out for the mountains to fall upon them because of the great day of his, for the great day of his wrath is come. This is it right here. They recognize it. You with me still? Got this mighty earthquake there in the seventh seal. And the great city was divided into three parts. The cities of nations fell. Come on. Church caught up. Nations fall. Babylon destroyed. Great Babylon came into remembrance before God. Confusion. Came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fiercest of his, what? Wrath. And every island fled away. The mountains were not found. Revelation 6, 12 through 17. Same events. And there fell upon men great hell out of heaven. Hallelujah. Lord, I feel good all over. Brother Dice, you say I feel good all over and better, better, anyway, better than, better than I do anywhere else. Yeah, that's what it is. I feel good all over and better than I do anywhere else. And I still don't know what that means, but I, I kind of understand it spiritually. Because I feel good all over and better than I do anywhere else. Hallelujah. I really do. The Bible said, now watch this. If you go to Isaiah 28, we don't have time to do that. But you'll see again this decreation and the removal of things that, that he's taking, God's taking things out of the way that hinder his appearing or his revelation. His revelation is coming. His apocalypse. And when you look at Isaiah 28, it says the hell removes the lies. It removes the refuge of lies. 
So when God is, and this is what literally happened. He's going to pour out these hailstones weighing about a talent around 100 pounds, literally. But the spiritual significance that from the treasures of hell, Job talks about the treasures of hell. Mm. The treasures of snow and treasures of hell. From this place, what God's going to do is he's going to take away the lies. That's the purpose of the hell. To take away the refuge of lies. To get rid of the false. Either in us now or in the future. So that there can be a pure river. We're victorious. But the river's not completely pure yet. So we see fall upon men great hell out of heaven. Every stone about the weight of a talent. Men blaspheme God because of the plagues of the hell. For the plague thereof was exceeding great. This takes you all the way up to the battle of Armageddon. And then Revelation 17 and 18. Then the Lord's going to again pick up key uh, personages that are in this time frame. And what he's going to do, he's going to judge Babylon. Whether it be mystery Babylon, the harlot, false, or it be economical Babylon, political Babylon. We're going to see that in Revelation 17 and 18. His judgment upon Babylon. And then we're going to see again the marriage of the Lamb. And the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And we'll try to get into more explanation about whether or not the church is going to, when, when he comes back after the bowls of wrath are poured out, uh, if we're going to go back into heaven with him for a little while or if we're going to, just come back with him to the earth, and then he's going to reward us on the earth. We'll, we'll get into some of that, and we'll see uh, what makes biblical sense. Okay? Hallelujah. 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 Brother, Brother Obed, call, you can turn these off now. Brother Obed called me the other day. He's, he's got some, some information. Get, share with me some insight that the church 